Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. Photographer Sasha Samsonova is generating quite a buzz with her striking images of women who are comfortable in their own skin and unabashedly sexy. A female Helmut Newton, Sasha is all about celebrating the beauty and strength of the women who stand before her lens. Born and raised in the Ukraine, Sasha is an autodidact photographer who was already shooting for Harper's Bazaar by the time she was 17 years old. Having picked up a camera after her plans to become a professional ballroom dancer fell by the wayside. But her innate understanding of how the body can express emotion and the way it moves has had a direct impact on both her photography and the films and videos she is now directing in Hollywood. Sasha has worked with celebrities like Kylie Jenner, Lily Reinhardt, Khloe Kardashian, Emma Roberts, and Kate Bosworth. Her images have been featured in the pages of Vogue, L'Officiel, Elle, and Playboy. And she's collaborated with brands such as Google, Fear of God, and Revlon. When you see Sasha's work, it's all about sensual strength. And when you listen to her speak, you know that her goal in life is to make women feel as powerful as possible. And she has the photos to prove that she's doing exactly that. Hi, Sasha. It's lovely to meet you. Hi, it's lovely to meet you too. Listen, I, I, we've never met before, but I've seen your amazing photography and I wanted to, you know, get you up on the podcast to talk about your work. We're in, we're in, uh, you know, Women's History Month, the, the month of March. And I just love the way you represent women in your photography. And I, I wanted to go back and maybe we'll start at the beginning and just tell me how you originally got into photography. Mm, yes, great question. I mean, <clears throat> if you want to go way back, I think it all started with me and my friend using a flip phone for an impromptu photo shoot in like my bedroom at 14. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I knew how to use Photoshop because my parents were involved with things that, you know, we had Photoshop on our computer and my dad taught me how to use it so I could edit the photos and they came out really cool and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but all jokes aside, around... Um, 16 or so, I picked up a film camera. I can't explain to you why. At the time I was doing ballroom dancing professionally, like we were competing and traveling and doing all the things. And um, I was messing around with like a little, little shitty camera, you know, just, it just brought me joy taking pictures. I don't know why, like I like going on walks by myself and that gave me the excuse to do that more because I could just walk around and snap whatever. But um, somebody, some photographer who did like barnness and photography saw it and was like, oh, you really should think about, you know, being a photographer, your, your colors are so good. And I was like, colors, what? Like, I just, you know, it was not serious, but I was fooling around with a film camera, maybe because it was cool at the time, maybe because I, it just was fun to me to be with my friends and do silly shit. But, you know, we did that and, uh, you know, speeding a year ahead when I was 17, this young uh, Ukrainian designer saw my work and just 
happened so that she's an incredibly talented person and Harper's Bazaar is doing a piece on the 10 up and coming big designers who are gonna be you know, great. And each one of them had the opportunity to choose their own photographer. So she offered me and they approved, I don't know why or how, but yes. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, like I had to take a day off from school to do, to do you know, like it's kind of a silly thing. Who was the designer? Cause I, I've come and covered fashion weeks there in the past. So I'm curious to, to know who it was. She doesn't. She doesn't do design work. She she got involved with like a, a deep religious thing a year after, and it all went downhill from there. <laughs> but I'll definitely look up the name. For, I mean, uh, she just stopped doing things, you know, which is sad because I don't know why. It's silly, but we had our birthday on the same exact day and year, and she's also Sasha, mm-hmm. and her design spoke so much to me that I don't know. I was just fascinated with her, and she you know, like my work and, and sort of in response, which was fascinating to me that anybody could even take it seriously at that point. But photos came out great and Bazaar was happy and they, you know, it was a nice feature. And I read after I was like, oh, let's shoot an editorial. They're like, mm, yeah, maybe no. <laughs> so it was too early and I get it. Um, but it's, you know, hilarious. But this other magazine picked me up um, called Pink. It's like a cosmopolitan type of thing. But they were in the same publishing house as this other amazing called L'Officiel, which I'm sure you're aware of. It was all under one big umbrella. And within a couple of months, they started shooting for all of the magazines that they had and sort of thrown into like a studio and were told, here, go figure it out. And I've never seen studio lights before. Like, I just have not been able to do any of those things but I mean so then tell me a little bit so you're an autodidact you you learn kind of on the on the go on the ground you know from one shoot to the other what um you you mentioned that you were liked shooting nature and being outside but you you definitely have um uh at least from the body work I've seen recently there's definitely pull towards the female form and, and sometimes in nature what is it you know as your kind of main field of 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 shooting, as it were, what is it that draws you to that, um, the, the female form as the, as the kind of the area that you want to explore? So um, that is a great question for me. I, I've been trying to figure it out myself. The nature part, I can explain, okay. uh, you know, with an educated response, but the female part. I that too, because I've seen some of your flowers and they're quite erotic, the, the most recent, bright and colorful and moist, let's say. They're very moist. I mean, I did things to them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about flowers in a minute. But so what is it about women and then, you know, the the natural, maybe the nature version of a woman, which is the flower, but um, what is it about the female form that, you, that you're drawn so to? So I think, um, I'm guessing here, I'm honestly just guessing, but I think that two factors are to blame for my love for women um, and their bodies and working with them. A, Helmut Newton, for sure, is to blame. I don't know why. Like, when I started being interested in actual, you know, fashion photography and photography, like, masters of photography, I went through, you know, every possible corner of the internet and trying to figure out who I gravitate more towards. And and I tried to shoot, like, you know, every kind of fashion photographer out there. But the only time where I felt like this is where I belong were things where I tried to copy helmet or or do things that would feel like his work I never tried to literally copy photography but I would dress girls and and, you know pantyhose and it would be black and white film and you know we would do these things that are half nude and all my friends were super young so everybody was just down to do whatever yeah so that really spoke to me that feeling you know and then the second part is ballroom dancing again I know it's kind of ridiculous but I did it for over 10 years and 
since like I was a kid, you, you know, at like 12, you're taught how to flirt with the judges as you dance and like you twirl the skirt and with your partner, even though you hate your dancing partner because you're 12. Mm -hmm his breath smells and he's too close to you like you don't want to do that but you have to imitate love and sometimes sex and you know so that type of movement and that type of female appeal was always very close to my heart like I love that about dancing and I could tell that I was good at it I might have not been good at other parts of the dancing but that was very much my thing like I could just stew in that feeling and be like yes Mm -hmm. so I think those two things came together to combine into me starting like once I took a step back from strictly fashion photography and was able to to do things that just I was in, in more creative control and, and control over styling and stuff like that I started to strip away the clothes <laughs> more and more and they were just sort of like tiny little pieces to form my shot to add a line or a piece of color they were it wasn't for the sake of the outfit anymore which liberated me in a big way and then I, I truly was like oh the bot like this is what I want to work with you know this is where I feel power the most mm -hmm. um and nature I grew up in Western Ukraine, so I was born and I grew up in Kiev, but until I was eight years old, I, I was in Western Ukraine and my grandfather took me to such very mountainy, very green, you know, you live like right on the edge of the forest. Mm -hmm. And every weekend, my parents would drop me off with my grandparents and I, we would go to the mountains. We would take a train, like a three hour train ride to go take a, you know, a 27 kilometer hike to like pick mushrooms and make a little fire, make tea. And so I would just be in the forest constantly mm -hmm. um so my love for nature has to come from that however not to make this answer too long but i used to hate shooting in nature i used to despise it and i'll explain why because in kiev as much as i love ukraine and kiev itself uh for my you know teenage brain i wanted to be in new york or paris and shoot that type of architecture and be on the street mm -hmm. and be like peter Lindbergh and be like helmut newton you know and have this backdrop that they had and i didn't have that kiev doesn't look like that it, it has its own charm and beauty but it's eastern europe like it's not the same yep. so the only acceptable at that point to my brain place where i wanted to shoot was the botanical garden mm -hmm. it was always beautiful it was great there was not that many people you can have some privacy and um at some point I just got sick of it and I was like I can't I don't want to shoot like dreamy women in nature anymore it was annoying to me I wanted to be like harder more urban and this and that and I couldn't get to that so for years I stepped away from nature and then um maybe two years ago I reinvented my connection yeah, because with the, you know, the, the nature shoots that you're doing now there is a very you know it's very strong colors like we said it's there's a, there's a, a liquid a fluidity fluidity to them it's a it's a very different perspective on on the floral space, let's say. Oh, totally. And as far as and as far as your um your female photography, I was looking at your work and I was just like, you and Casey from um, Mugler, you know, the designer at Mugler, need to get together and do a shoot together because you guys yes. would hit it off like a house on fire for sure. <laughs> At yes. what point did you go, okay, you know, I, I can't get the backdrops I want in the Ukraine. You know, what made you decide to jump ship and, you know, go across the world to, to LA? I mean, what was, granted, you had started to pull in and started shooting, shooting and had a portfolio, but what gave you the, you know, the, the courage to, to say, all right, I'm, I'm it, you know, it's now or never, I'm going to go. So, uh, you know, I mean, A, I was 23. <laughs> B, I was always convinced that I'm going to live in America. I know this is 
sounds crazy, but a part of my family is actually in Philadelphia, like a distant part. So ever since I was a kid, I would get these, this is very far in the past, I would get these little shipments from, uh, you know, uh, from Philadelphia with little American things for me as a kid. I was like three years old, but I had little, you know, things that nobody would have back then in Ukraine because it was, you know, it was unheard of. Yeah. And I've always had this idea that I'm going to move to New York and do photography there, do fashion photography there. Of course, by the time I was 23, I got so, like, I started when I was 17. By the time I was 23, I was like, oh, fashion photography, I can't, like, I always have to shoot the alpha they tell me. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it just didn't feel completely right. By that time, I already traveled all over the place, all over Europe myself. I, I went on multiple trips to France to shoot all over in Italy and stuff like that. So I was very comfortable traveling by myself. Mm-hmm. Like, my first job in Paris happened when I was 18, and, you know, it was crazy and incredible like and I felt very comfortable doing that <clears throat> so I started thinking about directing at around age of 23 people kept telling me oh you should you should think about directing and I was like no I hate the moving picture don't tell me that I just like taking stills you know and then I was lucky enough to be on the set of John Legend's music video all of me I was taking pictures and for the first time I saw before I was on commercials and, you know, more like, yeah, commercials. Uh, I, I was on those sets in Ukraine, even though they were foreign mm-hmm. and great. Um, it's not just, the same. It's not the same. I was just like, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. But I saw that process and I saw what the director actually does and how this looks. And I was like, I can do that. Telling people what to do, how I think it should be done. This is what I was born to do. <laughs> it's so good you know that about yourself. Yes, it's the most like irritating and useful part about my character. I like everything must be corrected to how I think it should be. And I mean, thank God there's a job where I can do that and not get punched in the face constantly. So, you know, um, this is what I chose to do. And I was like, huh, maybe directing is fun. So I started toying with it back in Ukraine. I directed one little thing there and I loved it. Mm. So I was like, huh. You know what? Scrap New York. I'm going to move to LA. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. And how is, I mean, for those who want to follow in your footsteps, because I mean, honestly, it sounds kind of Cinderella in the fact that, you know, you end up doing a shoot with a Ukrainian designer or that, you know, it's part of a a larger, you know, house of publications. So you end up writing for other publications within it, you know, like Graficiel, et cetera. And then, you know, you're building, you know, you're building your, your, uh, you know, dossier, your, your, your media kit uh, to go out there to LA with, you know, something quite impressive. Um, but what do you think when you talked about, you know, your, your personality for being a director? I mean, the, the comedians talk about, you know, you can't teach funny, but is you, can you teach being a, a, a good photographer? I mean, is it in your bones? Or do you have to have a certain eye or is it something that can be taught? Because you, you learned on the, on the go. So it's, I was curious to think what your thoughts are about that. I think their uh, photography can be taught to a certain degree, right? So just like any art form, you can you can teach yourself the technique and you can pick up things that you see. But <clears throat> I will always believe that to truly invent, you, you just have to know how to do it. You you have to know how to catch that feeling and how to most importantly get to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say it. I hate to say this, but I have to say it because. I've seen people be this close, like a tiny centimeter away from greatness, but just unable to see it. It's like invisible to them. You know what I mean? They just can't cross over from this layer to the next step where it's going to be truly unbelievable, which is a shame. But 
that's why we have so many different versions of art and professions and stuff like that. I mean, I, I just have to say that the story does sound really fun, but A, it's half dumb luck. Mm-hmm. It's my constant confidence in that I can do anything I want. And uh, not to sound like an asshole, like, yes, I built a huge portfolio by the time I came to America, but nobody cared. People could care less who I work for. Like right before I landed in LA, I was actually in Paris doing a project with Harper's and Louis Vuitton. And it was a cover and it was a really exciting feature. And when I came here, nobody wanted to, like nobody cared at all that I existed. So what did you hear about in LA? I mean, how did you break through in LA? What was it? Was it shooting the Kardashians? I mean, how did you tell me what your, you know, what, how were you able to build up, you know, what they cared about in LA, get yourself some work there? Because yeah, I mean, it's a different animal than New York or Paris. Exactly. So here's where the dumb luck comes in (laughs) once again in my life. Um, Through a weird sequence of events, uh, this unbelievably gorgeous singer, Tiana Taylor, got introduced to my work. Mm-hmm. and uh, to which I still cannot believe that happened. And we connected and she let me know she's going to be coming out to LA and asked if I would be open to doing a shoot. Of course, I was open to doing a shoot. You know, I was not very familiar, to be honest, with the American landscape of celebrity and stuff like that. But I used to love Tiana because her voice always was my absolute favorite. And just, I don't know, I just loved her. It was, you know, Instagram had started by that point and I was completely, you know, like, yes, of course we should do a shoot. And yeah, let's think about this for a minute. Uh, yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we did this shoot where I covered her in gold foil that sort of cracked on her skin. And I mean, she is just incredible and her character is my favorite. So we did that shoot um, almost a year into me living here, almost a year, like, like eight months into me being here. Mm-hmm. And it sort of went everywhere, honestly. It just spread like wildfire. And uh, yeah, I think that that was an introduction for me for sure. And then afterwards, when me and Kylie get to work together, again, I feel like she saw that shoot. I'm not necessarily sure, but that might be it. Of course, it helped that I had a good portfolio to add, you know, like nobody would work with me in the first place if I hadn't had it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, no agency was interested or anything like that. It's just because these women connected with what I was doing and said, oh, you know what? Yes, let's do something together. And are, you, was- and are you finding that, you know, people are just reaching out through, through Instagram, like DMing you? Is that how it's working? Or, or is that the old school way of like, their agent contacts you and there's a whole rigmarole. I mean, how is that, how is that evolving that connection and, and that, you know, communication between you and, and your subjects? Totally. I mean, I was not signed with anybody until a year ago mm-hmm. and I refused to be signed with anybody because I tried for a very brief moment and it was completely awful. So I was like, ha, never again. Mm. And, you know, it seemed to me like I was able to do everything by myself, completely great. And I was successful at doing it and I could handle it most importantly. However, uh, as I got more busy, <laughs> that exact communication that you're talking about, people are reaching out directly to me, asking things directly of me that not, should not necessarily be asked of me, mm-hmm. uh, became really intense and really stressful. And I have to say that, unfortunately, when you're a, I don't know if it's whether you're a woman and you're presenting yourself or it does it go for any solo photographer not signed with anybody, but people tend to treat you very different now that I am signed and know how it is. So yeah, it's, it's a big difference. I hate noticing it. Like I wish it wasn't there, but outside of the great work that my agency is doing, there's a personal factor of, of like relationships, even on set and how people treat me. So 
that level yeah. of professionalism that comes in at a certain point because you've got that barrier, you have that that person that's kind of stepping in and being that buffer for you. I have somebody on my team. Yeah. Is that that's what it is. Exactly. I was alone. So whatever happens, you can just be like, oh, Sasha, and like dump it on my shoulders, you know, mm-hmm. and work like that, which thank God. <laughs> well, listen, tell me, you know, this year, I believe because, you know, I, I stalked you on Instagram. So in, in a few months time, you're going to be turning 30. Um, any big reflections about like, are there kind of bucket listy things you want to accomplish in this next decade of your life? And let me just give you a forewarning that the 30s to 40s are so much fun. Um, so what, is there anything that you want to really, is there a, a particular, you know, I don't know if there's a shoot that you want to do or a, a, you know, kind of film as a director, is there something kind of on your list of that you want to check off pretty quick here? So yes, definitely. It's funny. I just talked to my boyfriend about this this morning. Um, <clears throat> yes. And, uh, he asked me, how do you feel about 2030? It's, it's coming up in two months. Um, and I feel absolutely nothing about it. I never thought of age for some reason. And I just don't care. It's a very strange feeling. However, I am aware that I'm getting older, which I love. I'm so happy. I was the kid on set for a very long time. And as much fun as that is, and I'm putting fun in air quotations, I can't wait to be from like 30 to 40. This is where I want to live. Yep. <laughs> if I can then 30 to 40 by another decade, I'd probably do that. You know? These days, you probably could be 30 to 40 for a good 20, 25 years. There you go. Like, that's what I want to do. And um, my biggest goal, of course, is directing a feature film. And I am uh, writing one for almost a year now, struggling terribly because I'm not a writer. I despise myself as a writer. And, you know, I listen to my favorite writers and they despise themselves too, which is great, but they're genius and like myself. Um, however, I have no doubts that I'm going to do a great job as a director, but the writing and getting the material that I could truly uh, stand behind is, is, is a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. So that's my biggest goal is to direct a feature film and then hopefully one more and one more. And I'll, you know, I'll never quit photography. Mm -hmm. However, I would shrink the amount of shoots that I do and focus on the projects like the one I actually just did. I just came back from Hawaii and uh, was shooting a little secret project there that has to do a lot with nature and with women. Mm. And it was sort of like a dream come true. So if I could focus my attention on doing those so that the whatever I create is actually unbothered by, you know, any type of commerce, that would be incredible with concoction with my films. That's the that's the plan for 30 to 40. That sounds like a very, very good plan. And and you're right that everybody who is a writer thinks they're a terrible writer. So you're you're well on your way, probably. Can you, let's do a little, for those who are photographers or who want to do, you know, what you do or, or one, wish to be a photographer like you, can you talk a little, get me down into some nitty gritty, you know, tips and tricks, like what cameras do you use? How do you help? Um, you know, because, you know, I am somebody who just cannot, has that really tense, awful smile. Like I can't relax in front of the camera. Like what are your tips and tricks to like loosen up the space, especially because you said you use, there's a lot of, you know, very little clothing involved in a lot of your shoots. So how do you make people feel comfortable? What, you know, materials, what camera, what do you, what do you use? And just like, talk to me a little bit about like what you've learned, those tips and tricks during this, you know, your career so far. Of course, yes. Um, So I think making the subject comfortable, especially if you're treating somebody without clothes, but sometimes even with a ton of clothes, Mm -hmm. is 
50% of the photographer's job or more perhaps. So for me, that's one of the biggest elements and it's a struggle for me also. Like I am comfortable talking to people, but often my requests are kind of nuts and I let them know before the shoot starts. I tell them, hey, the moment you feel uncomfortable, the moment I ask them something ridiculous, just tell me, tell me how you feel. I don't want you to feel you know, like you're doing something that looks bizarre. Or if you are, just let me know and I'll explain to you how this works. I'll show you what the shot looks like so you can, you know, get a little window into my brain and, and get on this train, right? And be, be good with what we're doing. So most of the time, uh, I don't run into issues with people being uncomfortable, being nude or half nude. They just let me know how nude they can be during the day. And that's what they choose to do, right? I'm not pressuring anybody to do anything more than that. And if I'm shooting somebody completely naked, I will snap, I should film, right? But I'll snap a digital photo to let them know what is showing, right? That nothing is showing in a weird way. And I always tell them that, listen, you looking incredible is my prerogative like that's my interest yeah. <laughs> I don't want to cool. yeah. exactly that's what I'm going to be doing today is making you look unbelievable mm-hmm. <clears throat> of course showing a bunch of references helps plus every pose and you know as much as I can I'll show myself first often enough I'll ask women to get into deep in the jungle butt naked and I'll go there myself first and stand and make sure that nothing is biting them or stabbing them or touching them in a weird way. Like I do a lot of this hands-on type of thing. So they feel like we're, we're together, you know, we're doing this together and this is cool. Another little trick I use is when it gets rough, I'll put a mirror right behind myself, especially for studio stuff. And the subject this way can see what they look like and can adjust their body. And funny enough, if you do this for a couple of times with the same person, they will learn how to work better just from that experience. And later they don't need the mirror anymore. Okay. Oh, that's really Often if it's a ridiculous outfit, I'll give them that. <laughs> that's interesting. That's tr- and so you, and what camera do you use? What is your, what is your comfort zone as far as the technical, you know, the, yeah. the gear? So I use a Mamiya RZ uh, 6.7 and I have, the, I have two of them and I have little bags that are 6.7 format plus I have some bags that I got from Japan that are 6.5 format. It's a little bit smaller, medium format, but sometimes you, I know it sounds silly, but sometimes I feel like 6.7 carries almost too much information for certain shots and I wanted to shrink a little bit. I want to land somewhere in between 35 and medium format and Six for five proves to be a great uh, way to go when you can preserve the beauty of the Mamiya uh, RZ lenses, mm-hmm. but you get a six for five format. So I do that a lot. I also use for my 35 millimeter shots, I use a Canon 1V. It's like a camera from, you know, 97 is probably my n- newest quote unquote uh, film camera. And I've been looking into buying a Pentax 6.7 because I need a handheld medium format camera. I realized that on my Hawaii trip because Mamiya can only go waist and down. Like I need to look down at it. That is very frustrating. <laughs> so uh, when you- Yeah, when you don't have the right materials or when you realize you're missing that one thing. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Talking about, you mentioned too much information sometimes with some cameras. So um, too much, I don't know why it brought my, to my mind, but I know you've shot for, you know, Vogue's and Harper's Bazaars and uh, L'Officiel and L, but you've also shot for um, Playboy. So. What is the what is the difference when you're talking? Uh, you know, how do you shoot for a Playboy as opposed to a, a Vogue? I mean, is is there any difference, or is it the same thing? And that people are just have less clothing on? 
No, no, so totally different things. <clears throat> totally different. Uh, the way you build your concept is different. Mm-hmm. The way you, where your motivation is coming from is different. Your ideas come from a completely different place. And of course, uh, Vogue and Harper's and Elle, those are uh, stories about the outfit, right? And we're all working to discover how else we can, we can utilize this, how else we can you know, present this. So the main character will always be the outfit. And that is something that uh, is never true with Playboy. And thank God <laughs> for that. <laughs> That's the biggest difference for me, right? And we play different roles on those sets. So I don't take a, a seat back to, you know, creative director or stylist or anything like that. But it's a much more hands-on thing with clothes. And I can't really change it as much as I would like to sometimes in an editorial I'll see looks that I just I'm like what are you serious right now I just can't you know and with Playboy I'll I can go in in the morning and be like I like this I like this I hate this mm-hmm. and I have a little bit of that in the editorial but you know you have to feature a certain advertisement that you have to feature yeah. Yeah. that's it that's what it's going to be you know you don't get as much of a say and you always have to keep your mind based on, okay, we are doing this because these clothes need to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Of course, it could be extremely artsy and inspired and beautiful. However, with Playboy, I'm shooting the person mm. and that's who's the main character. For me, at least that's the biggest uh, difference. And I can strip them of all clothes. I can cover them in, you know, little silver bunnies or, uh, you know, or put an outfit on them. <laughs> Uh, but I'm shooting the person, I'm working with the person and I get to create a completely different character from who they are in real life or I get to compliment who they are in real life, but I get to work with the human being and that's my favorite part of it, you know, and of course I get the body, I, I need the body. <laughs> well, then then you have that kind of hybrid middle ground where you have like, you know, you know, um, Good American, the Kardashians being shot. So they're not models, they're, they're not, you know, classic celebrity Hollywood actress. Um, they're in this middle ground. How does, what's it like working with them? Cause you know, the, the pressure is on. I mean, they've been photographed by everybody and their brother. I mean, what is that kind of relationship like? I mean, it's, I would say that they are part model and part actress as well at this yeah. point. I think it's very fair to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, how I approach it is no different from working with anybody else. You know, I assess in the morning every time we start a shoot, how much direction am I going to give? I talk to the person and they either request direction or, you know, somebody like Kendall can just you give her two words and she'll just go off and I'll just scream, stop, stop, don't move, you know? <laughs> just be like, I'm slower than you are. I need to reload my film or something. So, you know, and if a person likes a little bit more direction, which is my favorite actually, then I get to, you know, place them a little bit more and do my little meticulous things, which again is amazing. And it really isn't that different from anybody else. The biggest difference I would say is we are often pressed on time and need to go very, very quickly. So working with the girls really taught me how to do things light speed. <laughs> light speed. Okay. What about what about the you know the the gender question, let's say, you know, do you think you as a female photographer have an advantage to a certain extent, particularly in the, the milieu that, that you like to photograph in, that you feel comfortable in, which is again, this 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 space of pared down as much as possible. Do you think that it gives you a certain perspective? Oh, 100%, of course, of course. I love being a woman and it is giving me an advantage. And that's why I partly, I don't struggle with shooting men. I love shooting men, but um, I am not familiar with 
their body. Like I don't own one of the bodies that they have. <laughs> so I don't get to practice and live with it and understand it in all kinds of ways. Like I do with women, right? It's, it's just, it's, I'm basically mirroring myself on whoever I shoot if it's a woman, which is what every photographer does in a way. Mm-hmm. So yes, huge advantage being a woman and having that connection, you know, be completely safe and uh, completely non-threatening, very, it's, you know how it is. It's a very different thing when it's an all-female set. Everybody acts differently. As if there was like a little microcurrent that starts just circulating between us all. It's kind of a crazy thing, but it really happens. Do you do you try and do a, a set that's mostly women? I mean, is that something when we're talking about a lot about um, you know diversity and you know help helping bring up the next generation? And you've been at it for a long time, but you know you are only thirty. Are you about paying it forward and like you know bringing on assistance of you know women of different colors or backgrounds or, or creating a women women only almost set? Yeah, I'm ashamed to say yes. <laughs> I've been creating a women only set for a while. I think that's brilliant that you say yes. Keep going. So, you know, just to preface this, I love working with men. And uh, for example, on my video sets, I work with men a ton. And often I'll be the single woman over there, you know. Uh, However, my producers tend to be always women. So that has been a a big thing for me. But on my photography sets, which happen a lot more often, both of my assistants are women of color. And I'm obsessed with both of them. They're incredibly beautiful and incredibly helpful. And they're my friends. I love hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. And it's not a little thing because it took me a very long time to find assistance that I was comfortable with. And, you know, my assistants need to know how to load my cameras and how to handle them and stuff like that. It's a little thing, you know, you can learn. Da, da, da. But when you're doing the search initially, it's hard to find those people. It's harder than to find a regular assistant, right? And I was struggling finding one, I think because I was just giving these, you know, all these different guys. And again, no problem with men, but there wasn't that same relationship. And pretty early on, I started noticing that, hey, like my subjects, you know, I shouldn't be ushering everybody out of the room just because it, it has to be just me and her alone. You know, I, I need to keep at least one of my crew. So I was like, duh, of course, I need my group to be all female. And once I found my assistant, Ashley, who I love, I was like, oh, this is what it was all about. And then I found another uh, girl that works on my team now. And I mean, my agency knows, everybody knows, I don't go to set without them. That's my crew. That's who we are. Like, that's what it is. And Yes, I always try to make a note of, listen, let's keep this as female as possible because my shoots tend to be so revealing and sexual and it's just a different thing. And I've had ridiculous situation with men giving little comments on women's appearances and their bodies and just very bizarre stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's amazing how little that they pick up that they're even doing that in some cases, you know, they're just these off these flippant offhanded stuff that for them is nothing and it just has this ripple and ramifications that they don't even realize it's so so true. Do you, yeah. do you find with your work I mean, be, you know, you talked about the sexual nature of it. Um, we talked about the fact that you uh, 
found a certain amount of frustration in, in the clothing aspect and you wanted to pair back and pair back and pair back. But that's one pairing back is one thing, but the sexual nature of it is something else. What is it about that, you know, the female sexuality in general, the female form in that way and through that gaze that that you find so attractive? <sighs> what a great question. I wish I knew. I was always very drawn to being extremely open sexually and female sexuality was a very, you know, it's a subject that spoke to me. And as a, a like, you know, in my early twenties as a young adult, I was just all over the place, you know, and it, it, it gave me a lot of energy and power to be like, oh, this is my body. I get to do whatever I want. I can be whoever I like. And sort of not like, not going the conventional way uh, with, you know, any kind of sex approach <laughs> for a woman or what's expected of one. I don't know if it was born out of, you know, uh, a rebel type of feeling like, oh, I don't want to do this. And I just want to be whoever I like. And if I want to have sex with five different men on one week, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's just what I like, you know, <laughs> why not? Exactly. Um, uh, Maybe it was born out of that. Maybe not. I'm not sure what exactly came together, but somehow all my favorite movies always involved a particular type of sexuality. All my favorite directors, all my favorite photographers. I just really gravitated towards that. Women seemed the most confident, open, and I was so drawn to them when they were just sort of really honest about their sexuality, very just owning it, you know what I mean? So I hate the idea of trying to be sexy. Yeah. Like I'll never shoot a girl wearing, you know, this cutesy lingerie with high heels and like trying to be like, ah, you know, come get me. Like, I hate that. I'd rather you have no clothes on and be like cleaning the pool with the giant, you know, stick with a little thing on the end. <laughs> like, I'd rather you do that and just be you unapologetically and I'll just capture you in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, for me, it's almost about power and not necessarily just sexual. I just see it as very powerful when women can just go, yeah, this is me. I have, you know, a whole wonderland between my legs. Like, <laughs> that's just what it is. Hallelujah. I absolutely agree. Um, on that powerful note, I'm going to ask you the five generic fashion questions that I ask everybody. So, of course, this mm-hmm. is a fashion seatbelt podcast. So, we usually, I usually talk to people in the fashion industry and you are a photographer, fashion adjacent. So some of these questions might be slightly skewed for you, but here we go. So my first question to you is, what is your favorite piece of clothing that you own above all others, what you cherish the most? Oh, incredible question. I have this Hyder Adam trench coat that is black and vinyl and matte, and I love it. Yeah, Hyder Ackerman, if you talk about sexy clothing, Hyder is very, very, very sexy. Yeah. Um, What... uh, you know, people can't really, you know, people have a certain budget, they can't invest in a lot of different, you know, expensive clothing. But if you were to say, or accessories or or jewelry or whatever, what would be that one item of clothing or that one thing that you think everyone should really spend the money on to invest in to save up and spend their money on? Hmm, What a great question. Let me think. I have to say that it has to be a, can it be two items? Yeah. Perfect. It has to be a pair of pants, like dress pants that you love, preferably Celine, preferably from Phoebe Philo era. And it has to be a white shirt, Mm -hmm. um, something preferably from Vivian Westwood Mm. or 
no, I'm going to stop there. My favorite sweatshirt is Vino Westwood forever. It's unbelievable. It looks like half kimono, half shirt. I'm completely obsessed with it. But invest in two expensive, classic pieces of clothing that then you can complement with your things. For somebody who isn't, you know, working in the heart, heart, heart of fashion, those are, that's a very, very good answer. I absolutely agree with you on both those points. Who is your favorite designer, living or dead? Ooh, this is crazy. Um, I have to say McQueen. I don't own any of his pieces. Are we talking, are we talking Sarah Burton or are we talking no, Lee? No, no, Alexander McQueen, like, like the classic McQueen. The classic, yeah. Um, it's just, it's just beyond me what he was able to do. And it's beyond me that somebody was able to express themselves that, with that intensity mm-hmm. um, and still find a place in the fashion world. It sounds silly because he's such a big name, but yeah. when you just put it in writing on the paper, you cannot believe that he was able to pull that off. Yeah, no, I, I feel incredibly blessed to have been at pretty much all of his collections you know, during his career. So, you know, sitting, getting to sit front row at his last show and amongst oh. other, um, yeah, no, Lee is, Lee was an amazing man. Um, what, yeah, yeah he's one of a kind, no doubt. Uh, what trend will you never follow? <laughs> um, what trend will I never follow? That's great. I am never going to make a dancing video on TikTok. That's a great answer. Okay, I don't think I will either. Um, and then the last question is, what do you love most about fashion? Um, the clothing. I just love, I love fashion. I'm obsessed with gorgeous pieces. I'm obsessed with dressing up. It is the ultimate form of self-expression mm. that we're all burdened with. You have to dress yourself every day. And uh, not every day you're expressing yourself. I'll give you that. But when you do choose uh, your outfit carefully, it can be um, life-changing. I know it sounds very fashion podcasty, but it's true. It is very true. Sasha, this has been a delight getting to know you. The next time in LA, I'm gonna, we're gonna get together and have, grab a coffee, hang out, because it's just been wonderful getting to know you, really. And I can't wait to see what you come up with with this project in uh, Hawaii. It sounds fascinating. Oh, yes, thank you. It's, uh, I hate to say, it, but it's so fucking beautiful. <laughs> so good so um i'm extremely excited to share that and it's so nice talking to you too it's a complete pleasure and please let me know when you're here hopefully i'll take you to a my favorite cafe and we'll be able to do uh real things i would love that i would love that so listen we'll stay in touch we'll dm each other and we'll talk later but thank you all right bye don't want to miss an episode of fashion your seatbelt no problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.